Hey everyone, you're listening to the Ask Daryl Podcast, Season 2, Episode Number 7, 10 Things I Wish I Knew Before I Started My Job, Part 1. The Ask Daryl Podcast is a weekly podcast where I, your host, Daryl Girardi, break down your questions about church communications. This podcast is part of the Church Communications Network. Check us out at churchcommunications.com. Well, everybody, I want to break down a couple of things that I kind of wish I knew beforehand that may save you some pain. Uh, that if you are just starting out in this work, or maybe you've been doing this for a while, these are some things that, man, I wish I knew before I started out doing any of this work. I came from the corporate world, as some of y'all know, into the church world, and I just made certain assumptions about this work and what we were doing um, that, man, I wish somebody had just told me, hey, if you do this and not this, it would save me a lot of pain and heartache. So what I'm going to do over the next two podcast episodes is I'm going to break down 10 things that I wish I kind of knew when I walked in. Uh, 10 things that I think are foundational to the work that we do um, that I think if you could understand these 10 things, I think it'll make your work a lot easier in the long run. So without further ado, here we go. The first thing I wish I knew before I started all of this work is that content is not king. Despite what you may hear, you may hear this saying a lot, that content is king. I wish I understood that content's actually not king. In fact, the content the majority of my church creates is really much a commodity if you think about it. You know, we do worship, we do small groups, and we do sermons. And the reality of it is, is two of those three things are really commodities. In other words, when I say commodity, it's a thing that can be produced, sent out, and it's really not so much, it, it's come with the value of it's been cheapened because of the fact it can be in so many different places. It really doesn't have that value that it used to have at one point, uh, specifically the sermon for that matter. Um, I came into the job assuming that all of our content that we were creating was, was the, was what we need to be pushing. In other words, uh, our Instagram posts, our sermons, all of that stuff, that was that was the key crux of our strategy should be pushing all of this great content. So I spent a tremendous amount of time on the front end creating all this content, curating all this content and pushing it out. And while we did have some success, the reality of it is, is we hit this limit by which that success could actually be achieved long term. Because once again, it's a sermon and a sermon's a sermon, and if you go to put it out there, guess what? Everybody, everybody out there in America, their churches are all putting out sermons for that matter. So there's not a uniqueness of just the fact that it's a sermon or it's your worship music set, whatever that is. Those are things that have become commodities. So I wish I knew that content was wasn't really going to be king. Except I wish I had learned lesson number two, which is content in the context of relationship is king. And what I mean by that is, is if you have great content, but people also have a relationship with the content or the creators of the content, then all of a sudden that piece of content can take much more of a primary position in that person's life. So if you look at really great content creators today, I'm going to use a lot of people on YouTube, for example. One of the things that makes them work really well is, is they have a relationship with their audience via YouTube comments other social media channels, but they've created this relationship with their audience, not just based solely on the content they've created, but the fact that they interact with their audience. So if you can create that relationship, that creates a stronger bind or tie, if you will, to your audience. And so that for your content has so much more meaning when you do that. And I just assumed because we had created great content, that was enough. What I didn't realize was that if I create relationships with that content, all of a sudden, 
that content has so much more meaning. So that's why like live Q and A's are great with your pastor. Like that's why Facebook live to me is great because you are creating content, but simultaneously you're building a relationship at the same time. So we have found for us like doing Facebook live Q and A's with our pastor, building that relationship with him all of a sudden makes all the rest of his content that much stronger. Number three, find your true fans and love them a lot. Uh, the author, Kevin Kelly, who created the magazine wired magazine says, you know, you need to find 1000 true fans in order to make something succeed. If you do that, you're going to be pretty good. I ignored the fact that I should have been looking for our true fans of our content, our social media. When I first came on staff, I just assumed that, that we didn't really have true fans or I thought I knew who the true fans were. And I wish I had done more research on the front end to find out who is our top sharers, who is really in the know in our church, and who are the key influencers in our church. That When they share something, wow, majority of people latch on to that. I also wish I'd spent more time with finding my true fans. I'm also building true fans, loving that audience a whole lot more. Um, I wish I had spent more time of just being a resource for them and loving on them. And that could be something simple as taking prayer requests, uh, and, you know, asking how can we pray for you and interacting with the audience, going back to that relationship component in, in point number two. I wish I had done more of that. I just assumed I knew who the true fans were and I just assumed they were going to like our stuff because it's us. And I really didn't love on them the way I should have. So find who your true fans are. I'm talking true fans, people who just love your stuff, love the stuff that your church creates and is so excited about sharing that. And you should love on them a lot in any way, shape or form that makes them feel like they're a part of something larger than themselves. Number four, align your audience with your content. One of the biggest mistakes I made was that when I came on board, I focused on the wrong platforms because I assumed I knew where our audience was. Okay. I just like, I assumed that I knew who the true fans were. I also assumed I knew where all the fans were. So in my first six to eight months, I spent all my time on Twitter because that was the channel by which I spent majority of my time. What I didn't realize was that for majority of our people, they're on Facebook and that's where they live. And I wasn't living on Facebook. I wasn't spending as much time there. So what happens, I was creating all this content, spending all the time, kicking it out onto Twitter and then a little bit to Facebook and didn't realize I was a missing majority of my audience. So if I could do it over again, I would have taken the first six to eight months of doing nothing, but trying to find out where everybody is at and then aligning all of my content with that audience. I believe if I had done that, then I believe we'd be way further down the road than we currently are. Good thing was I was able to bring on Katie Allred, as most of you all know, and Katie and I were able to kind of get together to kind of figure out how to realign that and make that work. And it also works out because she's much more of a Facebook first type of person. So she helped realign a lot of that for me as well. So if I could do it over again, I really would have paid attention to where the audience was at and then get the content to them versus assuming that I knew where the, the audience is at and that the audience was just like me. Number five, always be asking how you are part of people's daily digital habits. I love this term, daily digital habits. It actually comes from Marissa Mayer, who used to be the CEO of Yahoo. And she's, she asked the question, how are you, your organization, part of people's daily digital habits? One thing I've noticed about our audience as I've got to know them more and more, and I think you would find that true for your audience, is that they have a daily digital habit. More than likely, the first thing they do in the morning is they check their phone. And they're probably checking their phone for Facebook, Instagram, or maybe they're just checking for email for that matter. You need to figure out how are you a part of that habit. For us, we determined the way to be part of that habit is delivering delivering devotionals via email 
or via social media as part of that daily digital ritual for a lot of our folks. But we want to be a part of that habit that every day when they open up their phone, we've got some sort of piece of content waiting for them. So yes, that's a lot of work, but we know the fact that they're going to their phones every day and we want to be a part of that experience when they when they go there. And again, you have to understand this is not the only things you can avoid. They're they're there. They're on their phones. I think the status of like eighty seven percent of Americans check their phone when they first wake up in the morning. So that's a pretty telling stat that your people have a daily digital habit. The question is how are you a part of it? Again, if I could do it over again, I think I would have focused really hard on finding how to get in that daily digital habit, hooking them with that content that's relational content, loving on the audience inside that daily digital habit. And I think by doing that, I think by, I would have scaled out to a much larger audience faster than what we're currently doing. So again, daily digital habit, figure out what your people's daily digital habit is. What are they checking? What are they looking at? And then figure out how can you get your content on that? It could be a podcast for that matter. Whatever it is, figure out how you can make that happen. So to recap real quick, the first five things I wish I had known before I even started this job was one, content's not king. In fact, it's number two, content in the context of relationship is king. Three, I wish I'd spent more time finding my true fans and learning how to to love to love them as they, as they love our church. And Four, I wish I had lined my audience with the content, spent more of my time on Facebook and less time on Twitter. And five, I wish I'd asked the question, how am I part of our people's daily digital habits? Because if I had done that, I do believe for us, we would have grown faster. So there you go. That's part one of the 10 things I wish I knew before I started my job. Tune in for next week. Next week, we're going to cover part two. I got five more things that I think are really important again to how to how I would have done this over starting over again, how I would have done this job differently that I think can help you and impact you as you minister to your church. Until then, I hope you have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. 